What's up everybody, Brandon R. Scarborough here. I want to take a moment to share with you and tell you about my dream, my passion, ultimately my purpose. Dreams Academy is our nonprofit organization located in Akron, Ohio, where we specialize in mentoring young men of color. I started Dreams Academy in 2016, and since then, we've had the opportunity to impact and mentor over 300 young men in our area. I want to tell you about this because it's dear to me, it's near to me, and so I want to tell you how you can support. Go to our website and see what we're doing, www.dreamsacademyonline.org. Also, when you get to our website, be sure to visit our Queens Academy page. We launched Queens Academy so that we can start having the same impact with young women of color in the summer of 2021. It's been a great journey and we look forward to impacting more and more young people. We need your help. Consider today making a donation to Dreams Academy so that we can keep impacting more and more young people. You can give online right at our website. You can give through Cash App, Dreams Academy. You can also text to give by texting DREAMS to 44321. If you are unable to donate now, that's completely fine. We still want to connect with you. Visit us on Instagram at Dreams Academy USA and Queens Academy USA. You can join us on Facebook at Dreams Academy and Queens Academy, or go to our website and fill out the contact us form and leave us your email address so we can add you to our email list so that you will get our newsletter so you can stay up to date with everything that's happening with our organization. Whatever you decide to do, however you connect with us, we're grateful for the connection. Thank you so much in advance for your support. What's up everybody, Brandon R. Scarborough here. Welcome to another episode of Dear White Teacher. We hope you've been enjoying the episodes. I think this is episode seven, and so we're on a great run. We've had a lot of great guests, and we are back tonight with another one. Um, I want to introduce to you my friend, longtime friend for many years, um, longtime educator, Miss Sheree Bell. What's happening? Nothing much. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Um, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, tell them who you are, where you're from, what you do, um, and then we kind of segue from there and, and tell them why you're here and how you can lend to the discussion. All right. Well, my name is Cherie Bell. I am originally from Akron, Ohio, uh, currently residing in Atlanta, Georgia. I uh, attended the best high school in Akron, Ohio, Firestone. Uh, and then went on to uh, attend. My real listeners know. <laughs> they know already, so they, they're not going to buy into that. <laughs> and then I went on to attend uh, Mount Union College in Alliance, Ohio, majoring in education. Uh, and so here I am 20 years later. I've been in the classroom. Uh, I am a language arts teacher. I am a professional development coordinator, as well as a mentor teacher. Uh, and so I'm excited to uh see what we have to talk about today. cool so we have a lot of connections um starting mm -hmm. back um at mount union I, I won't tell all of his business <laughs> but her older brother was my roommate um three or four years that we were at mount union and um i didn't see him much now i'll just leave it at that he, he, right. he was busy right um, right but then she came on campus a year or two later and mm -hmm. then we've been cool ever since and have watched each other grow in adulthood mm -hmm. and so I've gotten to see and learn about her um, teaching journey and so um, let's jump into how you even got started teaching or what the what the vision was even maybe when you were back at Mount like did you think 
you know, that's what you wanted to do? Um, actually, before I even got at Mount, uh, went to Mount Union, I've always wanted to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. So when I was growing up, I used to always uh, play teacher. That's literally the only thing I would ever do. My mom always talked about how I would walk around the house with my pen and pencil, and I would always be writing. Um, I took my dolls. Uh, along with my cars because I was a tomboy as well, and I don't so know, I would. You got the teacher look going today, <laughs> like you like you just stepped out the like stepped out of class two minutes ago. But I would take those things, and those were my students, and yeah. I would pretend to teach. And so I remember. Um, when I was go getting ready to go to Mount Union, my dad said, Sheree, you need to be a teacher. This is all this is all you ever do. Um, and so here I am, a cool. teacher, 20 years later. So you've spent the majority of your teaching time in Georgia. Did you ever, well, I know you taught here because we, we was, interesting story, we were at a school together way back in, what, oh, I think that was 2005 maybe. We taught at uh, yes. Emmanuel Christian Academy, right. which is an amazing school here in Akron. Um, I was not a good teacher. Um, <laughs> I was a terrible teacher. Um, I'm going to guess her side of the school was good because they always helped me try and be a better teacher and it just didn't work out. I wasn't fired. Let's be, you know, let's talk about that. I wasn't fired from Emmanuel, but I was not asked to come back either. And so, yeah. Right. Well, they found other stuff for me to do. <laughs> well, actually, I've spent half my time in Ohio and ha the other half in Georgia. Um, but the interesting thing is for me, uh, going back to Mount Union, one of the things that um, I'm finding out now is that I wasn't exactly prepared for what I experienced when I first started teaching at Emmanuel Christian Academy. Um, so although I really enjoyed my professors and I learned a lot, um, I wasn't exactly prepared for that moment. So, you know, I kind of had to just wing it yeah. a lot of times. So I've learned um, quite a bit over the years and I've perfected my craft. So, so that, that's kind of a great segue into a piece of the, co of the conversation. Um, you went to school for education mm -hmm. um, and you, you, you listen to the podcast, you, you know the vision of it and, and what we kind of talk about often, um, even with the name Dear White Teacher, where we're trying to reach um, white teachers who have to identify with and teach in more urban black and brown environments right. um, where that's the population. Going to Mount Union, which is a predominantly white institution, mm -hmm. um, and going through the teaching track there, and I, I got to ask Elijah Hill, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, the same question. Did they, I know they taught you how to teach, but did they teach you how to build relationships with your students? No. I never once learned how to build relationships with students. And so, unfortunately, my first year teaching at Emmanuel Christian Academy, I will never forget this moment, but one of my students, who shall remain nameless, um, said towards the end of the school year, Miss Bell, do you realize that you've made every last child in this class cry at least one time? Wow. And that really hit me hard because as a teacher, you never want um, students to see you see you in a negative light yeah. um, and so I had to really sit down and reflect what can I do differently to build more positive relationships with yeah. students and so I never even at college while I didn't receive training at college I also didn't receive training over the years mm -hmm. it became one of those things where I had to 
venture out on my own. I would look up information online. I would do the research. I would, um, I'm big on collaboration. So I would go to those teachers who had great relationships with students to say, well, what are you doing that I could maybe implement so that I can build, you know, those relationships. So it really fell back on me to do whatever I needed to do to make that situation different. So do, so do you find that that's a lot of teachers' testimony that they're not, there's no class, you know, relationship building 101 or authenticity in the classroom? Is it, is it all teaching, get up, use the text, make them pass the test? So it really depends on what district you're in. The district that um, I was recently in, it, it just depends on what side of the district you're on. I'm on the south end of the district. So I'm with our kids, the black and brown students. And so it's more of because your test scores are low, I need you to focus on this information only and I need you to get the data. We need these test scores to be up. So it really stifles your creativity because you're stuck in a box. You have to focus on this. These are the only resources you can use. And so it then becomes, okay, well, how can I be slick enough to slide in whatever yeah. I need to, you know, um, get to, to get the kids buy-in. Uh, and so, again, it just depends on where you are. If there's a district that's doing well, you're not gonna have those issues. And the students are able to, not, not only learn the information, but you're not gonna see those behavior problems either. Yeah. And so it's really important um, at the college level, because now we're seeing the great teacher resignation, and then you have students that are not, right, and you have students that are not even going into education because they see what's happening. Yeah. And so for those that are going into education, what can we do for them so that they can understand when you get out into the real world, this is what teaching really looks like. Mm -hmm. I was only taught how to teach. And so we need to, some sort of course needs to be implemented and they need to actually be in those environments where, okay, here's a situation you may encounter yeah. so I mean for example I have a student I remember having a student um, every morning he would just come in and act out and I pulled him to the side and I'm like you know what's going on why are you acting out two things one he's tired second thing he's hungry mm. and so that then caused me to think okay I need to dig into their lives yeah. I need to get to know them better to understand what's going on at home mm -hmm. that affects how they behave in the classroom. Yeah. I started buying snacks. I can't rely on the school district right. to provide the funds, so I'm gonna make it happen on my own. So I started bringing in snacks for students um, and then calling home, well, hey, how are you doing? You know, just yeah. kind of getting to know the parents too because that's the other thing. It's, it's, not, it's a two for one package deal. It's not enough to just get to know the students. You got to get to know the parents too because I need their buy-in. Once I get their buy-in, they're more likely to help me keep yeah. this student on track in classroom. So um, it, it's really just one of those things where students in college that are currently going into education, they need to see real world experiences. Yeah. We're not being tested over that on yeah. the praxis, you know what I mean? So. And so even when I think about like student teaching, student teaching lasts, what, a semester or a year? Student teaching is usually um, 
for a year at this point. That first semester, you're, it's more observation than anything. Right. Uh, you know, trying to see how the teacher runs the class, how do you grade papers, you know, things of that nature. And that second semester, it literally is just you teaching. And I think back to my student teaching experience, I, I still struggled because I wasn't Although I observed the first semester, that second semester, I still didn't have that interaction with yeah. parents that you would normally have once you have your own class. So I don't know how the student teaching things work, but if you're at a school that sends you in a, into a suburban district to student teach, mm -hmm. but you end up in an urban district to teach, you still didn't get the experience that you needed. You didn't even get didn't. to observe what this is about to look like. For Not you. even close. And so you get to school and like, oh, mm -hmm. like this is very different. And the problem with that is when you experience culture shock like that, it causes those teachers who are usually first and second year teachers who aren't experienced, mm -hmm. they're ready to quit. Yeah. And I've seen a number of teachers um, quit because of that. Being a mentor teacher, I would often get student teachers coming in. And so I was able to coach them because of my personal experiences on, you know, what they might see uh, or experience and how to handle that. But I specifically recall one of my student teachers that said, "Miss Bell, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. But I tr try, I really tried to encourage her and told her, if you can teach here, you should be able to teach <laughs> anywhere because if you end up in one of those districts that's um, or a particular school that's a little rough it really does prepare you for quite a few other places so how do we get the message to these i guess deans and uh, the people that are at the top at a you know i mean we're in akron so akron university mm -hmm. mount union these schools that all have edu education uh, majors and departments how do we get to them to let them know like, hey, there's a piece that you're all are, are missing, especially mm -hmm. this day and age. Um, you have to be aware of, of the teachers um, quitting. Like we're in some of the Facebook groups mm -hmm. where they're like, I ain't never doing this again. Ever again, right. Um, but again, that could be they weren't prepared. And so the culture shock of doing this and now they, they've learned the culture and they put in years and they're just like, I'm not doing this. So how do we, how do we, is there a way to even get to the people that are running and putting these curriculums together for education majors to see, to say, I almost think about it like this. We're big on teaching kids socio-emotional needs right mm -hmm. now. How do we teach teachers that, not even so they can get it to the students, but for themselves to see right. this is what you're going to deal with. Right. And so um, that's definitely an important piece. But I think one of the things that would have to happen is a group of teachers are just going to have to come together and take the initiative. Let's take a look at what the current education programs look like across the board at various universities and colleges and get the input, mm. get their input. OK, what what this is what we're seeing in the school system. Mm what does your curriculum look like what do you currently offer um, and if nothing's in place what can we do yeah. to change that um, because again if they if those students aren't getting that experience 
you're going to see more and more teachers not only quit in their first couple of years, but you're gonna see less and less teachers go into education and then what happens when you don't have enough yeah. teachers? Yeah. Because I think now, um, just teaching in Atlanta, I know the, the school system that I was recently in, they've got 500 vacancies. Wow. There are school systems in Atlanta that have 800 vacancies. And school starts in August. School starts in August and so a lot of times, classes students are in classes that have subs mm. or they don't have subs yeah. and so it's important it, it, it kind of reminds me of um, at the high school level when students fall so far behind and it's like it's got to start at the bottom it's got to yeah. start at you know implement those things at the beginning kindergarten so that they can, can carry that all the way up um, but that's what it's going to take a, a real dialogue about what's going on currently in education and digging deep into what each education program looks like and what we can do to implement or at least you know have conversation about what it really looks like so what are you hearing you know even in school with some of the teachers that are disgruntled and whatnot what are you hearing that needs to be changed that that are pushing them slowly out the door. Now, I'm, it's, give me two or three, because I'm, I'm sure say, it's a long list. Have? Yeah, I know it's a long um, list. I would say one of the top issues is um, behavior, student behavior, um, and lack of support in improving student behavior. Um, that along with that, especially with the pandemic, you have kids now who have spent they spent two years at home pretty much and so that social piece was missing and so you know where I was teaching sixth seventh and eighth graders everyone socially was two years behind so they're far you know far less mature um, and you're having a lot of behavior issues and so part of that problem is the top um, in the district, if you have a specific school that has a lot of behavior issues, they have high suspensions, they need you to cut back on that. You miss out on funding when students, you know, aren't attending the way that they need to attend. Um, you tend to lose uh, points for your school uh, because attendance becomes an issue. And so student behavior definitely tops the list. Um, just to give you an example, one of uh, the students at the school I was recently at um, put hands on a teacher. That student was back the next day. So when wow. you have those types of instances occurring, um, your teachers are less likely to want to come to work. <laughs> right. And then everybody's, you know, you've got subs, and if subs don't show up, everybody's got to split up. Mm -hmm. Or you stay with one class for the whole day. Um, another issue is testing. They test too much. Um, I know my students were testing, I would say in one month, my students may have tested about eight times. Wow. And so that includes your district tests. So your, your district tests, you're gonna have at least three to four per month. That also includes the tests that I give um, to ensure that students are mastering the standards. Um, and so testing definitely is, is part of the issue. Um, I would say one other uh, major issue probably would be um, time. Mm -hmm. There's not t there's not enough time yeah. to do the things that we need, especially with you know your planning period. When you 
when you're supposed to be giving a protected planning period, but you're called to cover Ms. Johnson's class because she hasn't been coming to work, then you're not getting the work that you need to get right, done. So right. I would say those would be the top three um, issues that we're seeing. So the podcast is called Dear White Teachers. I'm sure you have white coworkers who um, have had experiences <laughs> in the classroom. And I think I ask uh -huh. all of my guests this, um, do you find yourself in a, in a, I heard you say mentor, but do you sometimes find yourself in a mentoring or um, in a space where you're asked, you know, how did you do that? Or how can I do this better? Absolutely. Um, in the last 20 years, yes, every white coworker that I've had has asked, what is it that I need to know? And so it, that's where I make sure that, because I feel if a white teacher is genuinely interested and trying to figure out how they can build better relationships with brown and black kids, I feel obligated yes. um, to share with them. Mm -hmm. There's not gonna be any, you know, there's no code switching. I'm gonna give it to you real. I need yeah. you to understand this is what our culture deals with. That's this is what it's like, yeah. you know? And so when Marcus is sitting here uh, sleeping in your class and you're frustrated you need to understand Marcus is at home taking care of siblings while mom is at work yep. and she's a single parent mm -hmm. you know so it, it, it's one of those things where one you have to figure out how to get the buy-in from that student what could you do to um, get him interested in class yeah. figure out his interests so one of the things that I always do at the start of the year is an student interest survey very detailed I want to know everything about you I want to know what you like to do what sports are you involved in what books do you like to read uh, what TV shows do you like to watch anything that I can learn so that I can somehow implement it into our yeah. lesson so that you're interested and you want to learn more and they um, immediately know you care about them they people. immediately know that you care and and from that point because I'm asking about them I also share about myself yeah. Um, you know, the things that I'm interested in, what I love to do, because I want them to know I'm human. I'm big on respect um, and building a rapport and an environment where everybody feels comfortable. There's not gonna be, you're not making fun of anybody. Everybody should be able to share mm -hmm. um, what they, whatever it is they wanna share and be okay with that. Um, and be respectful of that, even if you don't agree. And so, because I make that a habit, every single year i am one of those teachers where if, if a teacher is having an issue and such and such is acting a plum nut yeah. they're coming into my classroom and yeah. so i became that teacher where they're like uh miss bell yeah can you keep such a say less i understand yeah. come on in they don't act out for me right they don't i remember uh one of my one of the uh one of the students, and I didn't even have the student, this was a kindergarten student. Here I am, a fifth grade teacher. Mm -hmm. And this is a kindergarten student that they just could not control. And when I say could not control, I'm talking, he was running out of the building. Wow. Um, he would run around the school. He would take objects and toss them over the, the stairs from the third floor. Doesn't matter who's walking, in get out of the way. This is a kindergarten student. Yeah. And I will never forget, I remember seeing him in the hallway one day and 
I just reached out to, hey, aren't you such and such? Yeah. And so I took the time to just talk. And try to get to know him and say, well, what, you know, what's going on? Why, why is this happening? What causes you to do this? And from that point forward, because I made the, the attempt to just try to understand yeah. what he was going through, every time he ran out, he came directly to my room. And yeah. so it began, now I have a kindergarten student in the fifth grade class, you know, where it's like, what the issue then to me becomes while I don't mind helping out what are you all going to do to get to know this student so mm -hmm. that we don't have those issues so one I don't want to become that teacher that houses all of the right right problem students but you, you know we, we have you to try to, to figure you never get to teach your own so we have to try to figure out you know ways to you know just get their buy-in and, and get to know them and the main reason I the main way I do that is a student interest survey so even growing up for me I went to private school from kindergarten to eighth grade public school ninth to 12 high school the greatest high school on earth, Brookdale High School, 1040. <laughs> um, I think I had in grade school one black teacher in nine years. In high school, I had two, three, three that were full time there, and four, it keeps coming back. I had four. Only one man, though, for sure. Um, and then the fifth one that I'm thinking of ended up being a long-term sub because I remember our teacher was having a baby. So not that we would have been paying attention back then, but building relationships wasn't that hard of a task back then. I, I remember with all of my teachers, there was some type of rapport. Like mm -hmm. um, we're talking tw over 20 years ago, behavior was not at all then what it is now mm -hmm. is that so what's the push now to say to not only white teachers but black teachers as well that you have to build relationships is it is it a parenting issue is it is it like teachers attempting to make up for what's lacking in the house like what's driving that push to say you got to meet him where he at, and you start doing that by showing you're you're not just a a number in my classroom seat that has to pass these tests. Mm -hmm. But I know James, and I know James's favorite color is blue, and I know his favorite sport is basketball. Mm -hmm. How did we get to this place where those things are imperative? Like, so I think it's a combination of things. One one of the things that I have noticed, parenting has changed. Um, in my experience in the last probably seven, eight, nine years, a lot of the parents are younger. Mm -hmm. And what I tend to see with the parents that are younger, they want to be friends mm -hmm. with their children. Um, not only that, but a lot of the parents have been single parents. And so a lot of times when you have single parents, if they're working late, those children are taking care of other children in the house. And so you, you tend to see those children behaving as though they're adults. That's why they talk, they speak disrespectfully. Well, you, or you 
think they're being disrespectful, but in their mind, I'm, I'm the talking adult how I talk at, home. at home. This yep. is how I talk at home because I'm raising my siblings. Yep. And so um, that has definitely become one of the issues that I've seen over the last few years. Parenting has just changed. Um, a lot of the parents feel that when when my child is at school with you, that's your issue to deal with. Mm. So you become the parent, you become the auntie, um, you become the counselor, you know, whatever it is that those students need at that moment um, to, to try to control a, a situation. Uh, one of the other issues um, I think is teachers, um, a, a lot of teachers, as we said before, they just don't have the training and so they're trying to just handle situations the the best way they know how um and unfortunately it just doesn't work because again we haven't really built that rapport with the yeah. student we don't know about their background or the things that they've been through um but the the, the main issue is going to to me is is parenting yeah. um parents are completely different from what i grew Absolutely. up with i think it just really has to do with your background the you know my parents growing up my parents were strict um there was you know my brother and i we were involved in sports education right. is your top priority and you're gonna go to college right. you know so that because of my upbringing I take a lot of what I've learned and apply it. Yeah. And being a parent now, you know, I have two kids of my own. Um, I also think about how I would want them to be treated. Mm -hmm. You know, what I want to see in a teacher. I think about um, how my teachers were growing up and what I didn't like and what I did like. And I try to take some of those characteristics and qualities and implement that. So, yeah. you know, it just, it just really depends on the situation and, and the, the background that yeah. plays a major role in whatever their environment so is. So I, I want to jump back to something you said that's kind of a, a cultural thing, you know, in the black community, you said how you become auntie and, you know, you become family. You and become so family. I'm even thinking like today, um, I called a lady who was very important to me. It was her 82nd birthday, but I called her granny because mm -hmm. I was so close to her grandchildren. She's not biologically anything to me, but she, <laughs> she's granny. That's what they call her, not grandma. She's granny. Mm -hmm. I called her to say happy birthday today. That's like, if you don't know that, you know, I can see people on the outside saying, oh, so <coughs> is that your mom's mom or your dad's mom? <laughs> right, right. Neither. That's granny. It's not a long story, but... In the black community, family does not mean blood. Right. Um, and so I have, just personally, I have so many aunts, uncles, uh, grannies, yes. and just people who are family to me for whatever reason. Right. Even through education and, you know, mentors and things like that, um, where that becomes a, um, it's a compliment, mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. And so that, I feel like that's, you know, that could throw somebody off. Why is he calling that man uncle? Right. Whose brother is that? <laughs> right. Nobody's. You know, then it, it, now it's confusing. Right. But if you don't understand things like that, if you mm -hmm. haven't been around that, uh, I, that should be a course in class. Listen, he's gonna somebody's going to come to the school hollering his name that you mm -hmm. don't know. Right. Um, and that's not related. But um, just it's so many things that's ingrained into our culture mm -hmm. that, Outside looking in, you're not going to know unless you know and do your homework and do some little, you know, do a little research and right. get to know the student, that, even ask the student, so how's that your uncle? 
you know, you don't know what they might say, you know, but, <laughs> right. you know, it, it's becoming familiar with even all the cultural nuances that come with right, us. Right. Well, and the cool thing, well, one of the things I love about that is um, because, like I said, because I really make an, an effort to, in getting to know the students, we develop that bond to where they may see me as an aunt now they're still going to be respectful right 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 but it, it's it's a beautiful thing when you can develop such a close bond with your students to where they will tell you any and everything right. i have i have so many informants yeah over from over the years to where you know i'm going to know about everything that's going on if, yeah. you know if this particular student is having issues i'm able to say hey you know check in on them say hey you know how you doing how's things going you know i kind of heard through the grapevine this was going on you want to talk about it yeah. you know and it, it the beauty in that is that again they know that you care and they're and once they know that you care they're like more likely to mm -hmm. open up to you yeah. whereas with another teacher I'm not telling you a thing. Yeah. You, I don't like you. I know you don't like me. And so not only that, I'm not going to do your work either. Right. So I'm able to um, use that to my advantage, not only to get them to do work, but also it, it just gives me that information that I need to make sure my, my students, which I call my kids, that they're on point and everything's okay with them. So you, you brought up another good point. I don't like you. You don't mm -hmm. like me. Mm -hmm. And the unfortunate part is everybody shows up already with that notion. Right. Nothing has even transpired. Mm -hmm. It's first day of school. I see you. Oh, I don't like you. Kid to student. Mm -hmm. I mean, kid to teacher, teacher to kid. And then that just snowballs into by the time October hits, we act. Absolutely. We, we, we here. I experienced that um, actually this past school year. I, during open house, I met a student. Why well, I'd already met the student because um, the previous year her teacher was out, and so when her teacher was out, she was what, what they call farmed out. So that's when they split up the kids in okay. you know various classrooms. She always came to my class. Um, I am known by students uh, as being that teacher that does not play. You don't go to Miss Bell's class and play. She is not having it. You better get your stuff done and be on point. And so I remember her trying me often yeah. and I would just shut it down, shut it down. And but so naturally. For, for, for some of our, our white teachers, that are listening, what does trying mean? <laughs> so when someone's <laughs> okay, trying <game>. you, <laughs> so when someone is, when a student is trying you, they are um, doing little things that press to press your buttons. So for example, you know, Miss Bell's class, we're not talking while working unless it's a time to talk yeah. and so you're not going to disrupt and so so don't don't lose where you're going but Gabe so Gabe is our, our camera video guy everybody say what's up Gabe you won't see him he only want to be on here but Gabe is over there we got to do a show that's nothing but kid lingo yes right what or even teacher lingo cultural lingo what's trying me yes what does no cap mean I had to ask that <laughs> it means you lying right right and there's so many other words that are like trigger words that are right. happening, getting thrown around the classroom and you're listening. And so it's kind of even like, who can I ask what this what this word means? Yes. Because they change so frequently. I, Cap just came out in the last and I don't listen to rap or nothing. Not, I'm old and I can't recent. take it. Okay. I would say um, within the last maybe was it from a song? Six, seven, it was from a song. Okay. But I even find myself 
when I hear a student say something, I'm thinking, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I get yeah. on my phone and I'm like, what is yeah. this? I'm getting old, you know, and I'm trying to keep up right. with, you know, with that. Um, but going back to trying, um, even taking out the cell phone, school policy, yeah. your phone comes out, Miss Bell collects it, and I'm just taking it to the office yeah. because we've had this conversation. So just little things here and there that student would do. And so I remember um, meeting her again the next year for open house. And she was like, oh, I said, I'm back, you know, mm. welcome back, and, you know, but we ended up developing a really great relationship, great rapport um, to where, you know, I could say certain things, okay, Miss Bell, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. And so again, it just goes back to, you, you've got to try to figure out a way to meet the kids where they are, reach them, get to know them and let them know that you care so that you can, you know, so that they're thriving, they're yeah. successful. Because if you don't, the whole year is it's a thrown bust. off. It's, it's yeah. thrown off, it's, thrown it's completely off. thrown off. So, going back to some of your white coworkers, mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen some success stories. Yes. What were they doing? What kind of strategies were they using in their classrooms to be successful? So, one of the strategies um, that I noticed the teacher was using was um, getting to know the kids outside of school. Mm -hmm. That teacher would attend their sporting events, um, whether it's basketball, uh, football, uh, cheerleaders, somewhere in karate, just taking the time to see them outside of that school element. Because a lot of students think, oh, that's just my teacher. I only see them here, that's all I need, you know, that's, that's all I need to see. But when they see you out of your element and they see you, even seeing you dressed down, yeah. They see a completely different person. Yeah. It allows them to take that guard down. Mm -hmm. um, and then also getting to know the parents. Going to, uh, let's say for example, I know of a teacher that would go to just community events. If you're going to community events, because I used to be that teacher, I don't want to see kids yeah. outside of school. Yeah. But I realized how important it was as I began to grow as a teacher over the years, meet them where they are. Yeah. You know, if you can't meet them in school, what are they doing outside of school? Where do they go to church? You know, um, what community events can you get involved mm -hmm. in to get to know, you know, those students um, and their families? I've had teachers go to their homes, do home visits, you know, just checking in, hey, how's things going? You know, I know you were dealing with A, B, and C. What can I do to help you? Yeah. You know, so that then, again, it gets the parent buy-in. The parent knows that you care mm -hmm. because a lot of parents are dealing with so many issues that we don't know about that affects their child and then ultimately affects the whole classroom yeah. environment. So, you know, just, just little things like that, community events, going to their sporting events, um, even something simple as a phone call, oftentimes, those students that misbehave, they're so used to you calling home to share negative information. Wow. They never hear anything positive. Mm -hmm. And I know for some teachers, it's like pulling teeth. There's something positive mm -hmm. about that particular student. You, you know, and so that's where observation comes in. It could be something as simple as, let's say they pass a test one day. Hey, you know what you did? Awesome. I knew you could do it. Yeah. Call home and relay that information. Hey, because I, I will never forget, I had a parent 
let me just say, over the years, I have been cursed out multiple times. I believe it. You know, but I had a parent who just who happened to say, Miss Bell, you always you always call. It's always something negative. These teachers are always call. I said, hey, hey, I get it. That's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to let you know that your child succeeded today. Yeah. This is what they did. I'm seeing a change in their behavior. I'm seeing, um, you know, improvement in just submitting assignments. Uh -huh. Anything small to send home that positivity. When they're coming back, I see a difference. Because and the parent relays that information. Hey, Ms. Bell called. You did this. You know, and they say, I've had students thank me. Thank you for calling. And because I was about to say, it's always I hope, negative. I hope that even doubles up uh, to the next level mm -hmm. where the parent uses that same information. Hey, right. Miss Bell called. She said, you did really good. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of you. Right. So now the student comes to school. Hey, you proud of me? Well, mm -hmm. guess what? My mom or dad told me they proud yes. of me too. You might see a whole different kid the a next day. A completely different child. And I've seen that before. Um, I remember uh, one of the students that I taught, oh my goodness, used to work my nerves. And I could not figure out how to reach him. He constantly misbehaved, whether it was talking out, getting up, walking around. And I remember calling home and just constantly communicating negative information. It never dawned on me to, because again, at that time, I hadn't, I didn't have the training that I needed, even though I was about, I would say seven years into teaching. Um, but I said, you know what, I gotta figure this out yeah. because I can't teach if this child continues to disrupt. It was that bad. And I remember asking him one day, what do you like to do? He said, Miss Bell, I love telling jokes. I said, do you? And so right then and there, I decided, you know what? I said, I can't teach if you're constantly disrupting me. So let's make a deal. I know you love to tell jokes. If you let me get through this lesson from start to finish, I will leave the last three to five minutes of each class and I will allow you to tell school appropriate jokes. <laughs> You have and to add in school appropriate. School appropriate yes. jokes because we cannot have yeah, any foolishness and it could go left bad. quick. Yeah. And so I remember seeing his eyes just, he, they just it. lit up because he said, oh, Batman's Bell, absolutely. You can tell jokes for the last three to five minutes of class if you let me get through this lesson and yeah. teach everybody else. And you literally change the definition of class clown. You change it up because you allow them that space and that time to do what they love. Yeah. That in return allowed me to teach the lesson. He was getting work done mm. because if you don't do your work, I'm not going to be able to let, let you, you tell up. those jokes. Yeah. You know, so That's amazing. I, I had to use that to my advantage to do my job yeah. you know and so you we have to really teachers have to really be as creative as possible to get the results that we we wish for yeah yeah so that man that that's been a lot of great information um before we go i want to touch on this book that mm -hmm. is sitting here <laughs> nicely um if you're listening to the podcast and not watching the book is called talking points um, I happen to know the author. Um, his name is Brandon R. Scarborough. Um, I know him pretty well. But I wrote this book because um, you've heard me mention Dreams Academy, which is our nonprofit organization that um, now mentors young men and women, but at the time it was just young men ages 10 to 15. And one of the things that I noticed was the disconnect between 
especially single mothers and their sons. And so I wrote this book um, at the time as a resource guide for single moms to connect with their um, sons. And so uh, we talk about hygiene, race, sex, violence, and a number of other topics. And then it talks about how to sit down and have creative conversations with your sons so that it is not an awkward conversation. So it's not, you know, all stifled, but really a way for your sons to open up and really talk about these things. Little did I know at the time when I wrote it that it would be even a greater resource guide for what we're doing now. So, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm talking about Dear White Teacher, this book is an excellent, and I'm not just saying it because I wrote it, mm -hmm. but I really feel like it's an excellent guide to get kind of a, um, a viewpoint of what you may not see. Um, you, you see, like we, we talked about, um, the young man coming to school sleepy and tired. But it, it, this book talks about some of those reasons of what's going on at home. Um, I, I really advise that you get it to, to kind of see what mothers and families are dealing with with their kids before they get to you. And I think it'll really help you understand um, at a cultural level and even give you some ideas on how to reach young men. So when you can see, so you so you see how their mothers are even planning or right. you know being creative and reaching their sons and so. Um, visit the website brandonrscarborough.com. You can get the book there. Check it out. Um, I, I really think it'll help you um, in your teaching um, strategies and planning and, and just lend some ideas um, to um, what you got going so you can have a successful classroom, especially with um, young black males. You have anything you would like to add to that? Yes. Sure. Um, actually, I, I, I will speak to this because I do have the book um, and, and I can vouch for this. Um, I purchased this book, read it from start to finish. Um, and being a single parent, um, co-parenting, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard. And there are things that I don't know. Um, and when I don't know them, I go directly to this book. And so I can um, definitely say I have uh, been able to use uh, the information in this book and implement it just with my own son and that helps to build our relationship as well because I have all the tools and the resources and um, you know just all the words that I need to um, get through to him and help him understand uh, what he's going through and so um, as far as this book this is everything um, for me so it's helped out tremendously uh, because being a single parent can be difficult. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to let the young man that wrote it, I'm going <laughs> to let him know you said all those nice things about the book. So listen, thank you so much for coming. Thank I, you I for think you had a me. great conversation. Um, I think the people that listen will be uh, blessed by it and be able to take something from it. Um, tell the people, if you want to, mm -hmm. where they can find you, you know, social media wise. I, I know. I've learned the trick of teachers changing their name during the school year so <laughs> yes. that the kids can't find them. I'm, I'm hip to some of y'all. Yes. I be looking for people sometimes like, why can't I? Oh, school's back in. Y'all yes. using middle names and rapper names. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's you will never be able to find me under Cherie Bell. Uh, you have to know me personally. And so you can find me on Instagram. It is Re, and that's R-E-E underscore Denise 81 and again that's because I'm a teacher I don't want students to find me uh, <laughs> so you can find me there on Instagram I don't want you getting cussed out online too. right right 
Um, and then just to add to that, um, as far as inspirational quote, things of that nature, one of the things that I would love to tell teachers, um, Bishop Joey Johnson, I was a member of the House of the Lord while living here in Akron. And so one of the things he's always said is relationships are everything. everything. Um, yes. I, I cannot say that enough. I completely agree with that. Um, and, you know, we, we have to do what we need to do to reach our kids. One other thing I will say is listen to understand. A lot of times as adults, we want to do all the talking and we don't listen to the kids. And I remember on that last podcast, we talk about kids having a voice. Mm -hmm. um, we need to listen to understand um, so that we know what our kids are going through, what they're thinking, so then we can, you know, decide what it is we need to do to reach them. Uh, Bishop came up on another podcast, and I think it was that quote, like that's mm -hmm. how um, big that message that he sends right. around the city is. I'm not a member of his church or anything, but I, those words have, have stuck with me since I, I've seen him pushing that that message for so many years. Mm -hmm. That's been his motto. Mm -hmm. right. Relationships are everything. And so it's funny that that, that comes up again. Um, so thank you again. Um, listen, we're on TikTok now. Get there, uh, dear underscore white underscore teacher. Um, just talking about little, little topics from, from the podcast and ways we can help. Um, our goal is to build community, build safe spaces where we can have conversations. Um, I mentioned it in the last couple episodes. If you have questions, text us, 330-958-4148. It can be totally anonymous. Um, I want to get to the place where we're in the podcast and we're answering questions and we're having conversations with mm -hmm. teachers that have creative answers for what it is that you um, have dealt with and will deal with. And so uh, Instagram, same thing, dear, uh, dear underscore white underscore teacher. Um, follow us there. You'll see little clips from the podcast. Download the podcast on every uh, uh, platform that I know is existing. And so Apple, Spotify, all those great things. Subscribe on YouTube, Dear White Teacher. We're keeping the name synonymous so mm -hmm. you can't miss it. And so just find us. Share with a friend. Share with another teacher. Share with another educator, administrator. Anybody, we're here to help. Um, I'm looking forward to having great conversations all across the country as we continue to do this. Shout out to my man Gabe because I don't think I ever did that. Gabe is here. He sets this up. He don't he don't want no fanfare or nothing, but he does an excellent, excellent job. And so I'm grateful to him. So I felt like I should finally say that to everybody. So everybody give a great shout out to Gabe. Uh, that's a wrap. Dear white teacher, uh, see you next time. Thanks so much. <laughs>